Hey guys, Nick and I have been using this really awesome resource to help us with our Creogs Over Coffee creation. Check out the OBG Project at www.obgprojects.com. They have an awesome collection of multiple resources reviewing the latest practice bulletins, guidelines, and randomized control trials, as well as interesting papers that you might just not look at every day. One thing that we've also signed up is something called OBG First. So this is a subscription that they have where you are able to get the latest research summary as well as um, the latest clinical guidelines or summary sent straight to your phone via email or text message. As well as going online to their website, you can save your favorite items to your own personalized library or bookshelf, as they call it. The wonderful thing is that Nick and I are about to be fourth-year residents, and if you're like us, you can actually get this subscription for one year for completely free. All you have to do is go on their website. Um, we will put the link in our website post. You can go on. All you need to do is your name, email address, and the name of your program so they can verify that you're a fourth-year resident, and you can have OBG First absolutely free for one year. They update every single day, so they move a little bit faster than Faye and I do with our weekly episodes, but definitely supplement your studying with them. They're really awesome. All right, guys, welcome back. This is Nick. This is Faye. And this is Priyag's Over, Over Coffee. Coffee. Today we have with us a very special guest, Dr. Leanne Free, who is a third-year resident at Brown University and Women and Infants Hospital. Welcome, Dr. Free. Thank you. I'm super excited to be here. So Leanne's going to talk to us today about emergency contraception. Um, Leanne, thanks for coming again. We're really excited to talk with you about this. What are we going to learn about? So today I'm hopeful that we'll review the efficacy and safety of the available methods of emergency contraception that's also known as EC to understand when to counsel and how to prescribe or recommend emergency contraceptive. And then lastly, to describe barriers to the use of EC and the importance of increasing access. So Leanne, I guess the first question about emergency contraception is why are we doing a topic about this? Why is this important? Right. So it is super important. And the reason for that is that in 2011, nearly half of the 6.1 million pregnancies that occurred in the world were actually unintended, meaning they were either unwanted or mistimed. Out of the pregnancies that were unwanted, 42% of them ended in abortion. And if you look at the United States in particular, the unintended pregnancy rate is significantly higher than other developed countries, which proves that EC is super important. EC, as well as other family planning services, are necessary health care that help women avoid the pregnancies that they don't want and to plan the pregnancies they do want. Unfortunately, many women are unaware that EC even exists, or that if they are aware of it, they don't understand its use and safety, or just don't know how to use it when the need arises. It's important for us as their providers to increase the awareness and education of our patients surrounding emergency contraception. Thank you, Leanne. Um, so I guess just to back it up even further, you know, what exactly is emergency contraception or EC? 
So EC, which is also known as postcoital contraception, is therapy used to prevent pregnancy after unprotected intercourse, sexual assault, or contraceptive failure. Common indications for EC um, in terms of contraceptive failure usually have to do with a condom breaking or slipping off or forgetting to take several birth control pills or just simply forgetting to use any contraception during sex. So I think let's get into it a little bit more, Leanne. So how does emergency contraception work? Because I think a lot of people are confused about emergency contraceptive methods versus abortion. Right. So the method of action of how EC prevents pregnancy from occurring varies depending on what type is used. Um, It's effective within 120 hours or five days of unprotected intercourse, but is most effective when it's used as soon as possible, especially within 24 hours. In terms of kind of the confusion of it being associated with abortion, it does not work if pregnancy has already occurred. Got it. So I guess then what are the different types of emergency contraception? So the FDA approved the first dedicated product of EC in 1998, but since then several new products have been introduced. Today, methods of EC include oral administration of progesterone-only pills, selective progesterone receptive modulators, combined estrogen progesterone pills, and then the insertion of a copper IUD. So if we really want to get into it, I think that we should start talking about progesterone emergency contraception because this is the most commonly used method of EC, and it's also known as Plan B One Step, Next Choice One Dose, Take Action, or My Way. This regimen consists of 1.5 milligrams of levonorgestrel taken in one dose. It's labeled for up to three days of use um, after unprotected intercourse, but studies show that it's still moderately effective when used up to five days after sex. But of course, again, it's always best when used as soon as possible. Plan B is available um, by prescription and over the counter. People of our generation might be more familiar with a similar formulation where two tablets, each containing 0.75 milligrams of levonorgestrel, taken 12 hours apart. Um, This method really has kind of fallen out of practice and is no longer manufactured due to the easier one-dose regimen, which is just as effective as the two-dose product. Leanne, what about regimens like Ella, which is something that I think um, is being talked about a little bit more nowadays? Right. So in 2010, the FDA approved a second dedicated emergency contraceptive pill, which is known as Ella. It's a 30 milligrams tablet of ulipristal acetate, which is a selective progesterone receptor modulator. This regimen is effective up to five days after unprotected sex and is available by prescription only. Leanne, earlier you mentioned that there are also methods that, I guess we talked about like the progesterone only or progesterone modulators, but there are also like combined estrogen progesterone methods. Right. So the combined estrogen progesterone emergency contraceptives are no longer sold as a dedicated product for EC, but can be made by combining multiple pills of standard birth controls. The specific formulations that are used to make an emergency contraceptive from standard birth control pills can be found on bedsider.org as well as EC 
www.princeton.edu. But this is a really good option for women who already have birth control pills at home and just forgot to take it or are college students who live in a dorm where birth control pills can be easily accessible from roommates or neighbors. And just like the other oral methods, this can be used for up to five days after unprotected sex. And finally, Leanne, I think you had mentioned something about the copper IUD. Yes. So that's the last form of emergency contraception, and it's known as the Paragard. The Paragard is not labeled for use as emergency contraceptive, but it's highly effective if placed within five days of sexual intercourse and then has the great benefit of maintaining ongoing contraception after insertion for up to 12 years. Wow. So I guess just to summarize again, we had, we've talked about a couple different oral methods, I guess, the selective progesterone receptor modulator, progestin-only method, combined estrogen-progestin pills, and the copper IUD. I guess kind of when we're talking to patients about which method we might want to choose, one question that comes up in phone calls is like the question about side effects. What should we know about those, Leanne? So, of course, with anything, the side effects are different depending on the type of emergency contraception. For pills, short-term side effects are those that we see with other hormone medications. So those include headache, nausea, vomiting, breast tenderness, abdominal pain, and dizziness and fatigue. In terms of serious complications and side effects, there really aren't any for emergency contraception. Um, One thing that I think is important to warn patients about is irregular bleeding. Because of the way that emergency contraception works, patients may not have their period when they expect it. So they should be warned that they may have irregular bleeding or spotting in the week following or up to a month after taking emergency contraceptive pills. And then if you think about side effects in terms of Paragard, they would be the ones that we would counsel patients on if they were just getting an interval Paragard place. So that usually includes heavy menstrual bleeding and pain, which generally decreases within a use within one year of placement and can be treated with over-the-counter pain medications. Um, and Leanne, I think one of the most common questions I get from my patients is, what is the most effective form of emergency contraception? What can I do that is most likely going to decrease my likelihood of becoming pregnant after unprotected sex? The most effective form of emergency contraception is the copper IUD. Unfortunately, though, many patients have reservations about putting an IUD in or just feel more comfortable taking pills as emergency contraception instead of actually having an IUD placed. So if for a patient putting an IUD in is completely out of the question and they still wanted to look at efficacy rates, ulipristal acetate, also known as ELA, is the most effective type of emergency contraceptive pill followed by the progesterone-only levonorgestrel pill. And like we said before, combined emergency contraceptive pills that are made from standard birth control pills are not as effective in preventing pregnancy. But of course, if that's the only thing that's available, definitely recommended for up to five days after unprotected intercourse. Is there anything that decreases the effectiveness of these oral regimens? 
So body weight influences um, the effectiveness of the oral regimens, whereas the efficacy of the IUD is not affected by body weight. But by no means should an overweight or obese patient be denied the option of having emergency contraception in the form of a pill. It's just important that they be counseled regarding this and that the use of the copper IUD as an alternative might be a better option for them. What about getting emergency contraception to our patients as soon as possible? Um, Is it possible to get some of these medications over the counter or are they all prescription based? So the only one that's prescription based is ulipristal acetate known as Ella. In terms of patients being able to get them as soon as possible, I think a lot of that really lies on us as providers. We should be having conversations about emergency contraception with our sexually active patients before it's needed. And in order to equip patients with the medications they need, we should be giving prescriptions ahead of time. Sometimes pharmacies are more likely to stock the progesterone-only pills over ulipristal acetate, but as we know, ulipristal is more effective. So it's important to let patients know them. Give them a prescription for both. If Ella isn't available, they can still take Plan B. It's just important to let them know that not to take both of them and that, of course, they should take them as soon as possible. That might sound kind of confusing because I know I said that ulipristal acetate is the only one that requires a prescription, but for a lot of patients, cost can sometimes be a barrier. So if we are writing prescriptions for plan B, it's something that often will be covered by their insurance and they won't have to pay for it. If patients aren't able to get a prescription, though, Plan B is available over the counter in the family planning section of stores. It usually costs between $45 to $50, and its generic form is usually about $35 to $40. It's available without restriction to men and women, and they don't have to show an ID when they're purchasing it. However, unfortunately, even without these restrictions, these medications are still sometimes locked behind the counter in the pharmacy. So just let your patients know. Call ahead and ask the pharmacy what's in stock and where they can find it in the store. And then lastly, in a generation where a lot of us do our shopping online, patients can also get the generic form of Plan B at www.afterpill.com for $20 plus $5 for shipping. Now, it's important to know that this site does not offer expedited shipping, so it's not meant for emergency use per se, but it can be purchased ahead of time and patients can have it on hand for when they might need it in the future since the pills don't expire for up to 18 months. And then, of course, if there's a Planned Parenthood in the community, patients can go to the Planned Parenthood or... Um, probably my favorite is Amazon. Patients can get it there for just $22 with free one-day shipping. I guess, Leanne, you touched on this a little bit earlier, um, you know, and kind of mentioned some of the things that help overcome barriers to accessing or using emergency contraception. Would you mind elaborating that on a little bit more? Some of our listeners really are 
interested in kind of maybe how to address those barriers or just being aware. Of right. And I think as OBGYNs and healthcare providers, it's important for us to be sensitive and knowledgeable about the barriers to emergency contraception. So even though Plan B became available without prescription in 2013, which was a huge step forward for improving access, there's definitely other barriers that still remained. We kind of touched on the financial and insurance coverage um, issue. The other thing is that provision may be limited in certain communities, clinics, or hospitals that are religiously affiliated. Many women and clinicians are unfamiliar with the use of emergency contraception and the fact that a physical exam or testing is not needed before emergency contraception can be provided. Or as providers, we may only be providing emergency contraception upon request or when a woman reports that she's had an unprotected sexual encounter instead of just providing it every time we have a discussion with our patients about the fact that they're sexually active or at their annual exam or at the time of providing them with a different form of birth control. And then lastly, a lot of adolescents and young women report that there's barriers just in the fact that they're embarrassed or they have confidentiality concerns or lack of transportation, either getting to their provider to receive a prescription or getting to a pharmacy. Leanne, I know we touched on this a little bit earlier where you kind of talked about what exactly emergency contraception is, Um, but can you tease out the differences again for us? Like what's the difference between the morning after pill and the abortion pill? Because I think I've definitely had patients um, kind of think that they're the same thing. Right. So medication abortions are used to terminate an existing pregnancy. Emergency contraception will not terminate an established pregnancy and is used before pregnancy has even occurred. So they by no means are the same thing. The pills that are given for emergency contraception are not the same pills that are given for a medication abortion. If a patient is pregnant before taking emergency contraceptive pills, the medications will be completely ineffective, but will not confer any harm to the developing pregnancy. Leanne, let me put a clinical situation towards you because I feel like this is something that comes into the office or over phone calls periodically. Let's say I have a a woman who comes to see me that had an unprotected sexual encounter and hadn't been taking birth control pills or anything like that for some time. Um, They take something like Plan B, and now they want to get started back on pills. When should I resume birth control pills, or when should the patient, I guess, if I'm just talking to her over the phone, start taking her pills again to ensure adequate contraception or that she's not like over-medicating maybe? So in order to answer that question, we actually have to take a step back and think about how these pills actually work. So the levonorgestrel progesterone-only pills delay follicular development when administered before the LH surge, whereas ulipristal acetate inhibits follicular rupture even after the level of LH has started to increase. So for your patient in particular, because plan 
B delays ovulation, it's possible that women who have taken emergency contraceptive pills can still become pregnant later in that same menstrual cycle. So it's super important that we talk to patients about starting on a birth control method if they haven't been on one before or resuming their method after they've taken EC. So for women who take the progesterone-only pills, it's recommended that they resume or start a birth control method right away and that they use a backup form of birth control for seven days after taking EC or to just avoid sexual intercourse for those first seven days. If we look at women who take ulipristol acetate as emergency contraception, because this method inhibits follicular rupture, it's recommended that they wait five days before resuming or starting hormonal birth control methods. The reason for this is the co-administration of ulipristal acetate and progesterones can actually reduce the contraceptive effect of both of those products. That is super important, Leanne. I um, actually didn't know that. I guess, you know, one more question for you. So let's say I have prescribed emergency contraception for my patient. Do they need to schedule a follow-up with me? Do I need to see them in the office? Or are they okay to go to continue taking their um, contraception as you have recommended um, and just come in whenever, you know, they're next scheduled? So scheduled follow-up after taking EC is not required, but I think that it's important for patients that have not had a period within a week of when they expect it, they should come in or they should take a pregnancy test. Clinical evaluation should be indicated if they have lower abdominal pain or persistent irregular bleeding. And then also, you want to think about why the patient needed emergency contraception in the first place. If this was an incident of sexual assault, it's important that these women come in for testing of sexually transmitted diseases or provision of ongoing contraception or well women care in other instances as well. All right. I think at that point, Leanne, this has been a great conversation. Um, usually Faye and I summarize an episode at this point, but I think you're an expert in this area. We'd love to hear what your take-home points are. Yeah, so obviously this is a lot about emergency contraception in a short period of time and probably more than we thought was important, but there definitely are a couple things that I think are important take-home points. So the first one is just to remember five days. Think of five days as being the cutoff for emergency contraception use after unprotected intercourse. But always remember that when you're talking to patients, it's always most effective if they use that emergency contraception as soon as possible, ideally within 24 hours of unprotected intercourse. And then secondly, when we're thinking about what's the most effective emergency contraception method, it's definitely the copper IUD. However, we talked about patients being hesitant to have the IUD placed and We know that a lot of times having an IUD place requires an office visit, sometimes two visits. So remember that if we're only looking at oral regimens, ulipristal acetate or ELA 
is the most effective oral method of EC, followed by progesterone-only pills. In order to maximize effectiveness, our patients should be educated about the availability of EC in advance of needing it. So as providers, it's important for us to know that all patients should be written for prescriptions for ulipristal acetate and a backup prescription for Plan B should be provided just in case the ulipristal acetate isn't available. Remember, for patients without insurance, Plan B is available over-the-counter and online. The next thing is to know that there are absolutely no contraindications to the use of EC in any woman. So when we're talking about birth control with our patients and we ask them if they have any family or personal history of venous thromboembolism, if they're a smoker over 35, or if they have hypertension, These aren't contraindications to emergency contraception, so it's important that we're providing effective emergency contraception for women who want to avoid pregnancy, even if they have these kind of things that we generally look at as contraindications to providing it. And then lastly, it's important to know that ready access to emergency contraception is not associated with less hormonal contraceptive use, less condom use, or more unprotected sex. So as providers, concerns regarding these things should not affect our ability to increase awareness and to reduce barriers to immediate access. Leanne, thank you again for this fabulous review of emergency contraception. I have definitely learned a ton, um, and I'm sure our listeners will as well. Um, So yeah, thank you again for coming on our show. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. And I just want to give a quick shout out to Sarah Horvath, who is a Lark Fellow at ACOG, who kind of helped me prepare for this presentation and taught me a lot about emergency contraceptive. So just a shout out to Sarah. Once again, I'm Nick. I'm Faye. And this has been Reugs Over Coffee. If you enjoyed our show, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or any other of your podcatchers. Go ahead and leave us a five-star rating or review. You can find us online on Twitter at CreogsOverCoffee1, on Facebook at CreogsOverCoffee, or you can follow us on our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash CreogsOverCoffee, where you can sign up for special content swag or a shout out on the show and if you think that we have something wrong with this show or have a topic suggestion for another show or just want to say hi to us you can email us at creogsovercoffee at gmail.com mm-hmm.